What is up, guys, and welcome back to the most bizarre show on the internet. I am the one, the only, Shane Squatch. And I'm Oren, and uh, today we've got a bit of a sad announcement to make to start off the show. Uh, so Jenny is kind of going to be stepping away from the show for a little bit um, without getting too deep into anything. Uh, I've had you know a lot going on in my personal life and family issues and whatnot for a while now. And, you know, I haven't been handling all that the best in the world. And unfortunately, you know, Jenny's kind of caught a lot of the brunt of that. So um, we've, you know, kind of got to get our house in order a little bit. I've got some things I need to work on personally and um, just kind of get us moving in a more positive direction. And uh, hopefully she'll be back with us very soon. But um Unfortunately, there is that announcement we have to make. But on the good news for everybody else that thoroughly enjoys Bizarre Encounters, we are not going anywhere. The show will always continue on because Orn and I are definitely extremely passionate about the show. So if anybody's worried about the show not continuing, it will continue and it will always find a way to continue. So Bizarre Encounters is not going anywhere. As sad as that news may be as far as Jenny taking a step down temporarily or permanently, we haven't quite figured it out yet. But either way, we're still running it. Bizarre Encounters, still Bizarre Encounters. Only difference might be we're just running it with uh, two co-hosts instead of three. Um, But we'll see, I guess, as everything progresses into the future. And Shane, on a kind of more happy note, I uh, I guess you got a little bit to talk about Squonkapalooza here tonight? Of course. So, considering that I'm sure everybody saw the title of the episode, we will be digging into the Squonk today. I purposely wanted to do this after Squonkapalooza, because everybody else was doing theirs before. Um, I know a lot of you guys have probably already heard the whole story of the Squonk, but you know we have our way of covering things, so hopefully it'll be a little bit different than how everybody else does it, but... Before we get into that, the whole reason why the episode was even inspired in the first place was because I recently got to vend at Squonkapalooza. It was an awesome event thrown by uh, Lisa from Cryptid Comfort. If anybody hasn't checked that out, really, really cool cryptid stuffed animals. And for anybody that watches the video of any of our episodes, I usually have them up tucked behind me up on the cabinet. And uh, also from Joe from Crypto Theology, as everybody is probably fully aware listening to the show, that we give him a shout out in every single show. Two awesome people put on a great event. Uh, it happened in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Um, it was, they pretty much set it up where you're at this. Uh, 
like a, like a park in like the downtown. There's like a fountain in the middle. And then there was, you know, all this city kind of going around it. It was like a, not a big town, but not a huge, not like a small town either. It was kind of, kind of in the middle, I guess you could say. But we had a really good turnout. A lot of people showed up. I handed out a shit ton of business cards for inquiries and bizarre encounters. So hopefully we'll get a new pocket of listeners over there in Johnstown. But it was a wonderful event. Got to meet a lot of awesome people. Got to hang out with a lot of people that I've been hanging out with in the community for a while. So that's always fun. Uh, after the event, as great as it went, we all ended up uh, going to a bowling alley and we all had like an after party there. Uh, everybody got to hang out, got to make some new connections with some new people. And part of that new connection, just to throw this in there, um, I will be, well, hopefully Oren too will also be going to this one, but we will be vending in uh, Charlestown. I got to pull all the information. I want to give you guys wrong information, but it's called The Snarly You Presents Cryptid Halloween 2, a Cryptid Festival and Halloween Craft Show. And that's going to be October 28th from 12 to 6 at the American Legion in Charlestown, West Virginia. And snarly you was just another one of those awesome people i got to meet at this event awesome dude his name's dave uh super excited to actually get to go and hang out with him again in west virginia been looking for an excuse to go down there too but it was a great event a lot of awesome people and because of that event we will be also vending in west virginia so just something else to look out for as far as updates for bizarre encounters and us trying to reach out to more listeners and hopefully keep uh growing the listener base by making one-on-one face-to-face connections with all you guys and uh, that also said, too, if anybody's interested in us vending any events, uh, let me know. Shoot me a message because we definitely want to look into doing some more of that this year. And another step that we would like to do, you know, if Oren can make it out to some, if he can, I'm still interested in doing it. But actually, maybe even Oren, if it's uh, someplace closer to him, we can do it. But uh, Bizarre Encounters wants to start speaking at events So if anybody's throwing any events and they're interested in having us as speakers, uh, we can cover whatever, you know, your conference is based around, or if you already have some notes on stuff already done, but that's the next step that we want to progress into is being able to speak. So if anybody's interested in that or having us vend in general, shoot us a message, let us know. We'd love to set it up and keep bouncing around and meeting more and more of you guys and getting new pockets of listeners in new States. And on that note, you guys know the drill, do all the internet things, reach out to us, social media, Bizarre Encounters at Outlook.com. You know how to get up with us for any suggestions for guests, topics, any contributions to the show you guys want to make, and especially for Shane's Bizarre Encounters book that he is working on. You guys get up with us however you want to. And uh, I just want to throw this one in there too. Uh, we recently got a review saying that they like the way we cover stuff, but we they feel that we need to have a Native American voice come on and tell some of their lore, local stories. Uh, I do understand I'm only 25% and I got it passed down from my grandma, but I would love to actually have somebody that you know lives on a reservation, like 100% Native, uh, pass down those stories like first generation Uh, I'd love to actually have somebody that's a guest like that on the show. So if that sounds like it checks any of the boxes for any of you guys out there, shoot me a message and I'd love to get you guys on the show. And uh, speaking of all that, if you guys aren't already following the show on social media, highly recommend that you will do if you want to get updates on anything cool and interesting going out with the show or any new episodes, all that kind of fun stuff. And uh, if you want to have some awesome conversations with some like-minded individuals, you guys can always pop onto the Telegram or the Discord. Uh, the Discord is the main one that we're focusing on. So if anybody wants to pop in there, drop some ideas, theories, whatever. Whatever you want to do over there, I want to see you guys uh, start to interact and get to know all of each other. 
And uh, if you guys want to share the show in a quick and easy way, I do post them on Instagram also, but I do make uh, clips for the show that I post on YouTube and TikTok. And I recently discovered how to do it through Red Circle, or not Red Circle, through uh, Riverside, which is our platform that we record on, where I can make uh, better video snippets of the show where it actually shows our faces instead of it just being the cover with a you know little audio bar in the bottom. So that's hopefully going to get even better to look at. I'm going to keep trying to progress on that. I got a few different things coming down the pipeline that a uh, documentary stuff I want to work on. So definitely go and check out the YouTube and the TikTok if you're not already doing that. And if you guys want to support the show, there's a couple different ways to do so. Number one is you can join the Patreon and there you'll get early access to episodes. Uh, you'll also get ad-free episodes. Well, I guess not so much of this show because we don't have ads on here yet, but also of inquiries and stuff because they're both combined. It's Open Minds Media. Um, so you don't just get one show, you get multiple shows. Uh, you also get the live uh, live replays of the shows, which is the raw video format. You'll get the lives of the shows when we have guests on. Um, and also there's exclusive merch store discounts. So if any of you guys have been looking at that Bizarre Encounters shirt that I recently dropped, the Stay Bizarre one, and you guys want to get a little bit of a discount on it, if you guys join the Patreon, even for one month, you get a discount code. You guys can go on over and use that on the merch store. And also, while we're speaking of the merch store, another great way to support the show is through the Open Minds Media merch store, where you'll find a bunch of different merch designs for Bizarre Encounters and Inquiries. Also going to be adding some new cryptid designs as time progresses. Um, the design that we made for Squonkapalooza, perfect timing, actually, speaking of this episode. I should be dropping on there pretty soon. Uh, it's an all original design made by Chris from Conspire Theory. Um, really, really awesome artist. Got to give him a big shout out for making that awesome squonk design for me. And uh, it says the world status cryptid on the bottom. He did the art for it. I did the, the setup and everything for it. So that should be hopefully dropping on to the store at some point here soon. And uh, the last way you guys can support the show is through Red Circle, which is our RSS host. If you guys want to donate to the show directly, that's a good way to do so. And if it doesn't give you the option to leave some type of personalized message, uh, shoot us a message. Let us know that you uh, donated to the show. And all of that's going to go towards making it so that we can go to more of these events. We can do more stuff with you guys, get to know you guys, and keep expanding the show. It's not going in our pockets. It's all going towards progressing the show, making everything better and better and better. So bunch of different ways to support the show. Don't forget to do one of those. And if you can't do any of those, at least interact with the show, leave some reviews, some ratings, uh, comment on stuff, any of that, any possible way you guys can support the show, please do so. And that doesn't just go for this show. That goes for any podcast that you guys enjoy. Don't forget to uh, support all of your, I don't want to say local podcasters because we're, we're, we're smaller podcasters, but you know, localized, I guess, to our area. But either way, don't forget to support all the different podcasts that you guys love. And if you guys are looking for some more shit to support, always uh, keep in mind Joe at Crypto Teology. Uh, he's making some great cryptid designs on T-shirts and merch and whatnot. So definitely go check him out. And every single thing that we've mentioned is all available under the link tree. So if you want to go and find that stuff, go down to the show description, click the link tree link and follow the trail to whatever you might be looking for, my friends. All right, Shane. So let's get into the squonk a little bit. This is one I've been excited to do because it's not a cryptid I know a whole lot about. So I was glad that uh, you wanted to take the reins on this one. And this one, I kind of had to dig into a bunch of different stuff. And uh, just like a lot of the time, I like finding a lot of uh, rare books online and sending you them. So as I was doing through this work, uh, I found the two original books that the squonk was referenced in. So of course, I had to send those over to you. 
Uh, so if anybody wants to go and check that stuff out, of course, I'll include the full inserts into this episode. But if you guys want to dig more into those um, as we progress, write down the names of the books and go and check them out for yourself because I'm sure you guys can find PDF copies of them online. But to take it away, getting into the squonk here. Uh, this is going to be the first one that I've done research on in a little bit, it feels like. So it might be a little bit rusty right off the bat, but we'll get rolling on this one. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, to start, the squonk, also known as Lacryma corpus dissolvens or Theristus lacomosis, is a creature that has captured the imagination of many over the years. According to legend, squonks dwell in the hemlock forest of the Poconos in northeastern Pennsylvania. These creatures are said to be shy and elusive making them rarely seen by humans. Their timid nature is attributed to their unique ability to dissolve into tears when captured or approached by potential predators. But what exactly is a squonk, and where did this myth originate? Legends of squonk originated in the late 19th century at the height of Pennsylvania's importance in the timber and hunting industry. It is said that the squonk resembles a small, ungainly creature with loose, wrinkled skin. It's often described... So it looks like... A pug, basically? A pug or, you know, a ball sack. <laughs> we, can, we can also say it kind of looks like a ball sack, like a very... A little pig thing? Very sweaty, piggy ball sack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's often described as having droopy, sorrowful countenance, and its skin is supposedly covered in warts, blemishes, and weeping, detachable appendages. Sounds like a... Slightly like a newt. <laughs> That's the grossest thing ever. <laughs> Can you imagine just seeing like a ball sack walking through the woods and just dropping pieces? Like, what the a fuck, bro? Ball sack with detachable appendages. <laughs> so, in addition to being the saddest cryptid, it's also the grossest. Yes, you could say that, but it's so okay. gross that people find it cute. That's how that that yeah. kind of stuff it, works. It's circled back around. Yeah, hopefully that works for a lot of the a lot of the people out there. That maybe you'll be so gross to somebody that you'll be cute to them. <laughs> Cross we can fingers. only hope. <laughs> the creature's plight is said to be due to its extreme self-consciousness about its unattractive appearance, leading it to hide from sight and weeping continuously. Unlike a lot of other creatures, the supposed physical characteristics of the squonk remain unchanged from the original written accounts in the 1910 book Fearsome Creatures of the Lumberwoods by William T. Cox, also including Latin names for the creature in the book by George Bishop Sudworth, who is the chief dendrologist of the United States Forest Service. So were those the uh, Latin terms that you read at the beginning of the notes? Yes, yes, those were the okay. Latin terms, because there's two different Latin terms for it. I, of course, wanted to include those, even though, as a lot of the listeners know, we aren't good at speaking Latin because we are English speakers, but we tried our best. Hopefully they came out right. And if you guys want to find those words exactly, I'm sure if you guys just look up squonk, you'll find those within the first couple lines of that. So... Fun fact about Latin. So I don't know if any of the listeners or even you, Shane, know this, but I was actually homeschooled like the entire time I was in school. So that probably explains a lot to you guys. Not in a bad anyway, way. <laughs> so my mom thought it would be a great idea for me to take Latin as my foreign language because like supposedly it helps with like SATs and all that kind of stuff. So I did. And, you know, Latin's a dead language. Nobody knows really what it sounds like, all that kind of good stuff. And then when I got to college, like they didn't have Latin. So I basically had to start back over with Spanish and I knew no Spanish at all. So it took me a, a lot of cracks at it to uh, get through Spanish in college because uh, my mother thought that it would be a great idea for me to take Latin. And it also didn't help us figure out that 
how to pronounce these squonk terms. So <laughs> it was just a huge waste of time all the way around. But there you go. That, that's my Latin inclusion. I figured that would have actually made it maybe a little bit easier to learn Spanish because Latin's like the base language for like a lot of things. But again, like you said, it's like nobody knows how to pronounce the shit properly because it's a dead language. So it doesn't end up resulting well. I mean, it just makes well, it so that maybe you can just kind of recognize a Latin word versus anything else, but it, I don't feel like there's that many people that can solid speak in Latin unless you belong to like the Vatican or something like that, you know? Because yeah, actually, that's... About it is, I, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, isn't, isn't the Vatican one of the only places that Latin is still technically spoken? I'm not sure about that, but it wouldn't surprise me. I'm pretty sure. I'm like 99% sure. <laughs> But no, I was just going to say the thing about it is, uh, you know, I think they expected you to actually know some Spanish. So I showed up to like Spanish 101, cracked open the textbook. They're speaking in Spanish and I don't even know how to read the textbook. So, <laughs> Hola, mi amigo. Aquí, anyway, aquí. <laughs> several years and a lot of thousands of dollars of crippling debt later, here we all are. So. <laughs> hey, but just cross your fingers for that debt forgiveness. <laughs> Yeah, I'm crossing everything. Just, but anyway, just forget about it. <laughs> continue on with the squonk. Speaking of William Thomas Cox, who was alive from 1878 until 1961, and he was the first state forester and commissioner of conservation for Minnesota. Cox worked as a forester for the United States Forest Service prior to his appointment as forest as state forester. After leaving office in 1929, Cox traveled to Brazil to organize the Brazilian Forest Service, including exhaustive explorations of the Amazon Basin. And then returning to the United States in 1931, Cox was appointed as the first commissioner of conservation for Minnesota. So pretty uh, pretty substantial credentials there as far as I'm concerned. The dude just pretty much traveled around and did forestry shit. And he was one of the first to like pioneer a lot of the stuff when it was happening as far as like the Americas go for the first time. So pretty pretty cool, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. So, this is what he states in the book. This was the very first reference to the squonk. It's not a big portion because the way the book's kind of set up, it's basically like uh, like one page with each creature. It's pretty pretty easy read, pretty interesting read, but I figure you might as well not lose any of the details because it's not very long. So, bear with me, and I'm going to read through this. This was from 1910, so hopefully none of the language is too off. But in that book, he states, The range of the squonk is very limited. Few people outside of Pennsylvania have ever heard of the quaint beast, which is said to be fairly common in the hemlock forest of the state. The squonk is of a very retiring deposition, generally traveling about at twilight and dusk. Because of its misfitting skin, which is covered with warts and moles, it is always unhappy. In fact, it is said by people who are best able to judge to be the most morbid of beasts. Hunters who are good by who are good at tracking are able to follow a squonk by its tear-stained trail for the animal weeps constantly when cornered an escape seems impossible or when surprised and frightened it may even dissolve itself into tears squonk hunters are most successful on frosty moonlit nights when tears are shed slowly and the animal dislikes moving about it may then be heard weeping under the burrows of dark hemlock trees Mr. J.P. Wentling, formerly of Pennsylvania, but now at St. Anthony Park, Minnesota, had a disappointing experience with a squonk near Mont Elto. He made a clever capture by mimicking the squonk and inducing it to hop into a sack, in which he was carrying it home. 
when suddenly the burden lightened and the weeping ceased. Wentling unslug the bag and looked in. There was nothing but bubbling tears. Later retelling includes that squonks were slowest on moonlit nights as they tried to avoid seeing their ugly appearance in an illuminated body of water. In addition to warts and moles, the creature was given webbed toes on their left feet. The given species taxonomy of the creature, Lacrimacorpus dissolvens, is made up of the Latin tear, body, and dissolve. These refer to its supposed ability to dissolve when captured. So can I jump in for a second and ask a question? Nope, not allowed. Not allowed? Nope. So uh, <laughs> what's the deal with it only having the web toes on the left feet? We will get to that. Is there any reason? Okay. I right. got that a little bit farther on in the notes, my friend. Because, of okay. course, I had to come full circle because I wanted to explain that. <laughs> yeah, that just seemed like a oddly specific detail. There's there's a part where we get into a bit of a history lesson. That's when that comes into play. And that'll be coming up very soon here. Perfect. The name Theristus Lacamorsis is broken down of two references. Theristus referring to a Greek soldier in the Iliad during the Trojan War. Even though he plays only a minor role in the story, he is said to be bow-legged and lame, to have shoulders that cave inward, and a head which is covered in tulfs of hair that comes to a point. The deformity has even given rise to a medical term known as theosis complex, which refers to a patient who has a very minor deformity, yet who are extremely anxious about it. They frequently contact surgeons to correct their highly perceived deformity. The doctors tend to ignore the complaint and refer them to psychologists. Psychotherapy, however, is often refused or ineffective. Lacrimosis is a Latin term often used to describe weeping, tearful, or in tears. Some substances are stable in solutions or some other wild form, but cannot be isolated or captured without actually catalyzing their own decomposition or dissolving their own tears. For example, a molecule containing a carbiolic acid moiety and an acid libel moiety might be stable when initially preparing as, an, as a salt, but unstable as a free acid. These have been named chemical squonks. So, kind of big words over there. I apologize to everybody for me stumbling over it, but basically I just wanted to make a reference to the fact that they usually refer to something that dissolves into itself as a chemical squonk. Chemical Squonks would also be the best name for a punk rock band ever. Chemical Squonks. Fight the power. I can just imagine a squonk with like a mohawk. The Squonk Hawk, maybe? Squonk Hawk. Oh, there you go. There you go. What happens when a, when a squonk goes and hangs out at CBGB too, for too long? They become a chemical squonk. Uh, he dissolves in his own... Ball sack sweat at that point, I guess. <laughs> That's from all the moshing, though. That's It's a little uh, bit different. Go. They're not embarrassed of their look. They've just been moshing a little bit too hard at that point. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, if he's in, you know, a punk rock club, he probably looks better than a lot of people there. So <laughs> You're that's not coming from wrong. someone who likes punk rock. So <laughs> people, don't be offended out there. Hey, that's the trick to punk rock. You got to have crazy enough hair that people look at your hair instead of your face. That's the trick, right? There you go. <laughs> Lipstick on a pig. There you go. Literally. Lipstick yeah. on a squonk. So, uh, the second reference to the squonk is in the 1939 book, Fearsome Creatures, by Henry H. Tyron, who was a British-born Australian botanist and insect collector who lived from 1856 until 1943. 
And this isn't a super long thing. It's honestly set up the same way as the other book. So I'm just going to go for it, read the whole entire insert that he refers to the squonk because got to include every single detail, of course. So in that book, of course, he states, probably the homeliest animal in the world and knows it. The distribution was once fairly wide. The unusual habit being high plains where desert vegetation was abundant. History shows beyond dispute that as these areas gradually changed to swampy, lake-dotted country, the squonks was forced to take to the water. Of distinctly low mentality, it traveled constantly around the unaccustomed marshes in search of fodder. With time, he developed webbing between his toes, but only on the submerged left foot. Hence, on entering the water, it could swim only in circles, and never got back to shore. Fossil bones dredged from these lake bottoms reveal that thousands perished of starvation in this manner. To date, the squonk is met with solely in the Hemlock Forest of Pennsylvania. It is the most retiring, bashful, crepuscular animal, garbed in a loose, warty, singularly ill-fitting skin. The squonk is always unhappy, even morbid. He is given to constant weeping over his really upset appearance and can sometimes be tracked by his tear-stained trail. Moonlit nights are best for the squonk hunts, for when the animal prefers to lie quiet in the, its hemlock home, fearing, should it venture forth, that it might catch a glimpse of itself in some moonlit pool. Sometimes you can hear one weeping softly to himself. The sound is a low note of pleading, somewhat resembling the call of the cross-feathered snee. And maybe that's something that we can hit in a further episode, the cross-feathered snee definitely sounds like something from a Dr. Seuss book, though. It does, but just one kind of thing that perked my interest when I was going through your notes about this, uh, kind of like the crying. Uh, I know we talk about this a lot, but, you know, the John Keel idea of, like, you know, the sound of a baby crying being associated with high strangeness and other things. Like, I don't know if there's any connection there. I, I just thought it was interesting, and I put it here in my notes to throw in. So you want to know why something big happens whenever you hear that crying in the woods? It's because squonk are obviously easy prey. So another bigger creature will hear the crying off in the distance, and you think you're hearing a woman or something trying to lure you, but it's just a squonk crying. And as soon as it cries, then that's when the Sasquatch and all the other creatures come because they're like, oh shit, got some easy food. We're about to have a hog roast tonight, motherfucker. <laughs> hey, you know, we're from North Carolina. Barbecue's delicious. I bet squonk cooks up nice so. my question is though would it dissolve into itself if you killed it first because at that point know. so i'm not a chemist <laughs> but i don't know the difference between its own tears and like vinegar-based barbecue sauce because you know we're in eastern north carolina we're <laughs> only vinegar-based so i don't know i'll have to look into that a little bit more I'm, I'm kind of kind of curious if you kill it first maybe you can cook it otherwise as soon as you start trying to cook it over the fire it's just going to turn into a bunch of tears it's going to put out your fire it's going to be a mess you're not going to end up any food and you're just going to have a wet fire you're not going to be able to stay warm for the night uh, so. you know some motherfucker out there tried to cook a squonk at some point i really uh i don't want to say i hope so but i, I just want to know what the result is obviously preserve all of these weird creatures and cryptids but let me know if you can cook a squonk or if it'll just turn into liquid. <laughs> and is it delicious? Yes. Is it delicious? And also, do the salty tears result in it having a better, saltier flavor? See, it like brines itself. 
Yeah, exactly. It's marinating itself all the time. Yeah. It's just anytime it's said, it's just marinating, just continuously. It's delicious. We've, okay, we've just scientifically proven squonks are delicious. <laughs> Throw some coleslaw, a little hot sauce on there. You're good to go. It's already pre-marinated. All you got to do is just add a little bit of dry rub to it. You ain't gotta. You ain't gotta marinate it. Ooh, you got yourself a. Got, got yourself a squonk roast. Mm, squonk roast. Mm-mm. <laughs> that also sounds like a Dr. Seuss thing. It a does. Squonk roast. Roast a squonk. Nothing rhymes with squonk though. Bonk. That's what you thonk. <laughs> there, uh, hey, I stand corrected. <laughs> well, if we're using Dr. Seuss terms, you can just make up words. So we'll just go with that. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I'm all in. So just to throw in a history lesson here, because everybody was, I'm sure, wondering why the forest started getting cut down. So to understand the deforestation crisis in Pennsylvania during the late 1800s, we must first explore the historical context. Rapid industrialization amongst with the growing demand for resources such as timber and coal had a significant impact on the state's forests. Pennsylvania, known as the Keystone State, was thus dominated by vast and diverse forests, making it a prime target for logging companies. So if I can jump in for a second here, Shane, like I wrote here in my notes, I think this is kind of the heart of this whole squonk thing, because, you know, we talk a lot about on the show you know, these stories were probably based in something real at some point and then through the game of telephone got changed. I think, you know, it's entirely possible there's some kind of weird, ugly pig-looking creature running around in these woods, but it seems to me, kind of in the same way we talked about the Wendigo and all that, that this story is a lot like an allegory for, you know, the sad and ugly destruction of natural resources and the land. And yeah, that's kind of where I landed on a lot of this stuff is it, it just it seems like you can't disconnect the squonk from this idea, like you said, of the industrialization and the deforestation. So just random thoughts, but that's kind of where I landed on it. Honestly, I'm glad you threw that in there because that's exactly what I was thinking. The more I started researching into the squonk, of course, I want to entertain the possibility that something like this exists in the woods. But what I geared towards is the fact that this guy who is really in the forest forest or trying to preserve the forest uh, wrote this book right after the late 1800s when a lot of the Pennsylvania forest got cut down in order to make fortifications for the civil war. So I think that it's honestly an allegory for trying to preserve the woods essentially. And maybe if there was some kind of site of anything like this, maybe it was some type of like deformed hog. I mean, that's definitely a possibility, but the whole fact that it dissolves into its tears makes it so elusive that it's one of those things that, you know, if you were somebody that was around in the early 1800s and you weren't too familiar with all the different creatures and critters that existed in the North American woods yet, you know, something like this could sound completely plausible. And I mean, maybe it's still a possibility that exists, but I definitely gear towards kind of your method of thinking on that. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, again, game of telephone, um, you know, these wild hogs, they're fucking ugly as is, you know? So if somebody saw this wild hog running around in the woods in the same way we talk about like werewolves and things like that, it could be as simple as, you know, these were really elusive creatures and, oh man, it started squealing and it just dissolved into its own tears. And then it was gone. You know, you never know how things are going to get twisted. It's not really the right word, but throughout retellings and throughout history. So, I mean, to me, when you factor in, I mean, we know really ugly pig type things exist and the whole, you know, allegory deforestation angle. I can totally see how we got to this point with this cryptid and this folklore. 
Let me, just an added bonus, and this was something that I found in the books, and I grew up hearing about this legend, but never knew where it came from, and finally figured out where it came from because of doing research for this. You're from down south. I don't know if this is a northern thing or if it's a southern thing, but have you ever heard of snipe hunting? Yes. So you're familiar I've with heard it. of it. I'm not like super familiar with it. So anybody that doesn't know what a snipe is supposedly supposed to be, it's this little furry creature. And again, everybody probably had different variations of this depending on where you grew up at. But when I was a kid, basically what they were what we were told is that, you know, we all be hanging around around the bonfire. The older guys would say, "Hey, you guys want to go snipe hunting? This is how you do it. You go and you sit in the middle of a dark field and you open a, a sack and you leave a sack open and you bang a pot with a spoon, and that pot is what calls in the snipes." So essentially, you know, it's keeping kids busy and keeping them off out of the way for a little bit. But just because of the fact that, you know, I grew up hearing that snipe story and it was one of those things that the older guys would kind of giggle about after they told you, um, I didn't think that it brought a lot of validity to it. Again, maybe it's a possibility. Maybe it's something that went extinct or maybe it's something that was misunderstood and that's where the legend originally came from. But just because of the idea that I had of what a snipe was going into this, then being included in the same book kind of based it more in old folklore rather than like solid existing creatures for me. But just a little added bonus for anybody that doesn't know what snipe hunting is. It's first, I'm assuming first reference in the same book in 1910. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think you're you know spot on a lot of this stuff. Like I said, probably was, you know, way back based on something more tangible and more real. And, you know, through the years, it's just kind of got morphed into, folklore and cryptids and these stories we tell ourselves. So I, th I think you're, you're spot on Shane playing telephone. That's what it turns into. Like I said, it exactly. could have been just like little furry creatures that don't sound crazy or off or anything like that. But it turned into this whole thing with banging on a pot, catch them in a pan. You can only catch them at night. Like all this kind of extra stuff, just extra telephone, just adding more and more onto the myth yeah. that wasn't actually part of like the basis of it because no yeah, animal in the world are you going to catch by banging a, banging a pot. That doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> but no, as a five-year-old, you're like, oh shit, I'm going to go catch some snipes. <laughs> it's really easy for me to see how like stories like this evolved and progressed through, you know, in some cases, hundreds of years though. Oh yeah. Especially with American folklore there. It's just, we have a way with tall tales. That's, that's what it is. I feel like American folklore is based in tall tales, especially with like the white settlers and everything. Cause of course there's like the native folklore, the original American folklore. And then there's the white settler American folklore, which is all the tall tale type of stuff. And I feel like this kind of fits in that category as far as I'm concerned. And there might even be another connection to that. That's coming up here very soon with American tall tales and the squonk. Ooh. <laughs> But to get back into the little bit of the history lesson, got to get into the research findings as far as what was happening with deforestation. So as a result of that, you had erosion and soil degradation due to the removal of root systems and leafy canopies, which impact on wildlife as habitats were destroyed, leading to declines in animal populations, depletion of watersheds and increased flooding due to decreased forest cover, air pollution as the burning of coal for fuel released harmful gases into the atmosphere, uh, the impact on local communities, particularly those reliant on the forest for their livelihoods. Uh, just a list of some negative things that have happened as far as the deforestation goes. Uh, amongst the devastation, concerns, concerned individuals and organizations began to advocate for, for conservation and change. Pennsylvania played a crucial role in the early environmental movement, which, with notable figures pushing for forest protection and sustainable practices. Uh, the establishment of Pennsylvania's first state forest reserves was a result of this. 
uh, and also the creation of Pennsylvania's Forest Association and its efforts to educate the public on conservation, which again, like we were talking about, you start creating all these folklore stories, telling people all these creatures exist in these woods. And it just kind of brings more impact as far as like, hey, let's preserve these woods as soon as you can put like, like there's people, of course, that are instantly going to be drawn to like trees to begin with. But there's still a lot of people that need to have some type of animal or some type of face to put to it. So, I mean, like a tree is a tree. There's people that care about trees to begin with. And then there's people that they have to think that there's some type of living, well, not that trees aren't living, but some type of like animal that they can relate to that's in the woods. And then once they do that, it kind of humanizes the woods to them and it makes them care about it a little bit more. So if you start creating all of these like elusive creatures that live in the woods, it just makes it so people want to be more protective of those woods to begin with because they don't want to destroy these creatures that are hard to find because as soon as you destroy the woods, you know that they're gone forever. So it just, again, pushes people to conserve the woods by creating stories to give them a reason to preserve the woods. And uh, getting into American tall tales here, even the great American Paul Bunyan had such a run-in with the squonk. In Paul Bunyan and his Great Blue Ox, which was released in 1926, Paul and his men are stalled in cunning timber when one hears a queer wailing some distance away. The more the men mimics the wailing, the closer and strange, stranger the sound gets until eventually he's able to apprehend an unsuspecting squonk in a bag. So rarely did it even get near men that the loggers who had caught the squonk was greatly alleviated and called his friends to the bunk site to see the queer creature when he put it in view, reads Paul Bunyan. Alas, the logger's elation was only momentary as the squonk did what it does best and dissolves in its distress into nothing but some salt, water, and bubbles. So, the usual legend, of course, gets included into American Tall Tales as far as Paul Bunyan goes. So again, just another connection like we were talking about. That American folklore has to have like a face to a name in order to make people care about things. So you have this big, strong, you know, guy that's just cutting down woods, all this kind of stuff. And even he has a run in with a squonk that I'm assuming kind of made people think that even the great Paul Bunyan uh, might seize temporarily in order to do something with the squonk, to find the squonk, to do, you know, just it's connecting into, into American tall tales. That, that, that's the premise that I'm trying to get at here. But. Yeah, and like you said at the very beginning of the notes, I mean, I think it's pretty interesting how remarkably consistent all these accounts of the squonk are because, you know, with a lot of the stuff we talk about, you know, it they can vary wildly from one person's account to the next. And everybody's basically saying the same thing here. So either, you know, this was based off of something that might have theoretically really existed at some point, or you know, the game of telephone didn't get changed a whole lot throughout the years. I mean, a lot of this stuff, it seems like... So the, the original book was 1910. Uh, the Paul Bunyan thing was 1926. Uh, and then the other book was written in 1920-something too. So I feel like it's still within that 10-year gap that it probably didn't deter too much away from the main storyline. Uh, especially considering that, I mean, these tales are getting passed around by word of mouth, of course, but everybody was assumably probably reading this book because it it's a fascinating read for anybody who wants to go and find it. So everybody was starting including it into their folklore because all of this stuff kind of came out around the around the same time, which I kind of felt kind of helped to make it so that the telephone pro process wasn't so bad because people were reading the original text and then going directly off of that right after. So it's like mm -hmm. they're only a sli slight sidestep away from the original tale to begin with. <laughs> Yeah, there's not uh, so many 
levels of disconnect there, I guess, as a lot of the stuff we talk about. And it also, it was a, it was a written tale versus an oral tradition. So, yeah, I mean, when it yeah, comes to the oral a tradition, thing. a lot of the stuff gets deteriorated a lot farther away where, I mean, shit, we're sitting here in 2023 reading a book from 1910, still reading it to exactly what the author wrote. Like it makes a huge difference to actually have stuff written down in text instead of having oral tradition, as far as the whole telephone concept goes. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's a great point. But uh, getting back into it, in the 2015 version of Fearsome Creatures by Hal Johnson, the squonk is physically and actually a pig. It's covered in warts and has cauliflower ear covered in wax and hair. Its tusks are yellow and crooked, and its eyes weep constant tears. It has four legs, three and a half of its right hind leg is transparent. Its fearsome aspect is its contagious misery. Reports suggest that it may have been inspired by real animals found in the region, such as the warty pig or the nocturnal AA. These animals share some physical characteristics with the squonk, such as wrinkled skin and unusually unusual facial expressions. So again, like we were kind of saying, already jumping yeah. the gun on this one, kind of getting into all this kind of stuff, basically just saying that, you know, it was maybe a specific hog that people were seeing that had some kind of deformity, and then it created all of these tales around it, possibly. Or again, it was just a created story to begin with in order to try to conserve the, the forest in, the, in Pennsylvania because they, they, they cut down so goddamn much of the forest around this time. It wasn't even funny. Like they thought that there was just endless timber forever. And they quickly learned that that was definitely not the case as soon as they started fucking up the environment and everything started turning into swamplands. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think kind of what we were hitting on a little bit earlier, I think it probably was based off of some wild feral hog at some point. And then, you know, like we said, the, the timber industry come in and we get, you know, all these stories and allegories at this point. So, yeah, I think we've kind of hit the nail on the head a little bit prematurely on this one, maybe, mm -hmm. but, uh, anyway, it just knows that we're doing the research right then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Continue on the, on the other hand, some experts suggest that the squonk myth may have been inspired by actual encounters with deformed or diseased animals. As we were just saying, there you go. conditions yeah. such as malnourishment or skin disease could possibly explain the appearance attributed to the mythical squonk in the absence of scientific documentation. It's challenging to determine whether these encounters truly inspired the myth or if there really is a weeping pig-like creature inhabiting the woods. As we dove into the world of the squonk, it's essential to consider not only its mythical origins, but also the impact it has on the culture and society. This creature's allure has extended far beyond Pennsylvania, captivating the interests of cryptozoologists, artists, and storytellers worldwide, such as us. <laughs> American yeah. rock band Steely Dan refers to the squonk in their song, any major dude will tell you with the lyrics. Have you ever seen a squonk's tears? Well, look at mine. People on the street have all seen better times. Ditto for English group Genesis, who named a single from A Trick of, of the Tale in 1976 after it. The crying cryptid has even been made into a Final Fantasy character. So it's it's made it it's made its appearance a little bit of everywhere. It's made its appearance in music, pop culture, and uh, after this awesome event that Joe and Lisa put on for uh, Squonkapalooza, hopefully it'll be even more so in the forefront because as far as the cryptic community goes, hopefully it'll be a yearly event that everybody starts talking about and gets to attend so we can bring some more life back into the Squonk, of course. The Squonk is a testament of the power of folklore and its ability to shape our perceptions of the natural world. Whether we believe in the creature's existence or view it as a product of imagination, the myth of the Squonk continues to spark curiosity and inspire creative works that explore the innate human desire to uncover the hidden mysteries of our surroundings. Our journey through the realm of the Squonk has unfortunately come to an end. 
But Aww. it's a story. But its story will continue to inspire and awe wonder for generations to come. And like I said, thanks to Lisa of Cryptid Comfort and Joe of Cryptozoology, the squonk will be brought to the forefront once again at Squonkapalooza in Johntown, Pennsylvania. Hopefully, again next year, my friends. So, if anybody didn't make it to the first one, you better show up to the second one because the squonk will be sad and cry if you guys don't show up. <laughs> well, and thank you, Shane, for uh, taking the lead on this one. Like I said, this was something that I didn't really know anything about. You know, just going to conventions and whatnot, you always see the squonk on, you know, pictures and T-shirts and whatnot. But I, I didn't know anything other than, you know, sad little pig thing. So this was kind of cool to get some of the backstory on it. And, uh, you know, like I said, see kind of this, you know, Venn diagram of real things and folklore and allegory and all that kind of mixed together. So no, this was a fun one to do. And, um, you know, I, like I said, I appreciate you taking the lead on this one. Of course, it was a fun one to cover. I, uh, love digging into the old books, especially when they're old books that have somewhat easy to read language because you start going too far back and then it just goes all out the window where English used to be a lot more used to be a lot better I feel and then it's kind of degraded into an easier version of how to speak it or as as far as like American English goes we definitely have created a lot of slang terms and deterred strongly away from the original English but in this one like I said it's, it was a super easy one to cover and it was a lot of fun to do and uh, in turn I learned a lot about the squonk that I did not know and my end conclusion for this one, um, again, it's definitely possible, but where I'm sitting at is that it was a story created in order to preserve the woods as far as Pennsylvania goes. Yeah, I think we're uh, definitely kind of on the same page with that. The only thing I'll add, like I said, I think it's entirely possible somebody saw some wild feral hog out there and then it all got mixed together. But yeah, I, I think we're, we're pretty much... Uh, on the same page with the whole squonk mess. So. <laughs> it was a deformed squonk that got poked in the eye by brush. So its eyes were watering and somebody saw it and they were like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if one of those big wild hogs runs up on you in the middle of the night, you're probably going to be pretty scared. So, but the squonk doesn't run up on people. There's no, there's no, uh, aggression. Well, if you as far as the squonk one, goes. How about that? You'll just find a find a hog that just poked itself in the eye with brush and it's just sitting there looking like it's crying, hiding away from you. And you're like, it's a squonk. Put it in a bag. A quick, quick. <laughs> it's a squonk and it's delicious. Hell yeah. It's got its own barbecue. Everybody remember that. If you catch a squonk, I'm not saying squonk kill it, but if it's already dead or it dies from fright from you finding it, let me know how that shit tastes. Cause utilize its body. I'm definitely curious. Yeah. Utilize the body. Don't let that thing go to waste. Don't kill it yourself. But don't let the body go to waste if you find one. And uh, That's just good advice across the board. But. I, I still want to know for sure, though, if this thing just dies, does it have a carcass or does it just turn into a pile of liquid? Like, would it even theoretically be possible to cook this thing if it just turns into an elusive glob of liquid whatever? <laughs> like, well, we're obviously going to have to go squonk hunting in the hemlocks of Pennsylvania. Dude, we'd never be able to prove it. Every single time you grab one, it would just, res- it would just turn into a pile of liquid, and you're just like, fuck! I caught like six of them tonight! I haven't been able to get- show one of these motherfuckers! <laughs> <laughs> Got my limit on squonks. Hey, but that, again, might be part of the whole thing, like we were talking about, though. That the reason why it dissolves 
is so that the mystery will always be there because nobody can actually ever catch one. And when people are, oh, you 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 can't prove the existence of Squonk until you find the physical body. Well, you can just counteract that with you can't get a physical body for a Squonk because it'll just turn into liquid. So here's well, your physical body. You just come with a bag full of a wet bag. There you go. <laughs> and I think that's a good you know allegory for the entire paranormal community. You know, you, you try to find evidence, you try to find answers, and it just turns into a, a wet sack of nothing so <laughs> what's like there's something to unpack there <laughs> well this has definitely been a fun one and i really hope that you guys enjoyed the show and again i apologize for jumping onto the squonk bandwagon but we definitely had to do it um i w- was a vendor again I like think i said it counts as jumping on the bandwagon if you went and vended i mean that's what i was gonna it say was something you, you it was an experience you had that we needed to share with the listeners. I felt that we needed to cover it just because of the fact that I did cover it. And what not a better time than after Squonkapalooza because eventually I want to build up to a point where all the listeners can say, hey, I want to learn about this cryptid. And we'll have an individual episode for just lists of cryptids. But we're slowly getting there. We have a handful of them. We're getting there slowly but surely. So expect a lot more in the future. And like I was saying, I did make, well, I didn't make, Chris made that design for me for the Squonk. So if anybody's interested in getting yourself some awesome world's saddest cryptid squonk merchandise uh either one i got posters you guys can hit me up through the instagram if you guys are interested in grabbing some of those posters or two i should hopefully be including them onto the uh merch store soon so i'll make some t-shirts for it um and i also do have stickers so if anybody's interested in that shoot me a message let me know i can definitely ship all of that out but also just to continue throwing it on in this um the setup for the squonk design I want to continue on for different cryptids. I just got to come up with different variations for different things. But like, you know, there'll be a status or a, a Sasquatch one and it'll say the world's whatever cryptid. And I just want to continue on that thing and kind of make that our, our thing is that basic setup design, but with different cryptids. So if that sounds like something you guys would be interested in, let me know if you guys think that's an awful idea. Also let me know so that I can mix it up before I get like five designs in and then my OCD kicks in and then I have to continue doing it that way. So <laughs> let me know what you guys think. And if you guys want to grab some of that merchandise, again, shoot me a message and I will gladly ship you out some awesome Squonk merchandise. And on that note, you guys do the internet things, get up with us through social media, through the web. Uh- why do I keep saying fucking website? We don't have a website. Through the email address, Bizarre Encounters at Outlook.com, and through the motherfucking link tree that has the submission form. So there. Eventually. Eventually we'll get a website. <laughs> we'll set that up. We got a link tree for now. That's that's as close as we get to our website. It, it seems like I'm just fucking manifesting it over here. But <laughs> It'll happen. Anyway, it's meant to continue. happen, clearly. <laughs> And if you guys enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave a review or rating for the show on iTunes or Spotify. And if you guys leave a hopefully nice five-star review on iTunes, then I will read it out on the show. And uh, for our four-star review that we got, uh, I'm sure you heard the reference in the beginning of the show. Uh, I did hear what you said, and I will try my best to get somebody that has 100% native background to come onto the show and talk about some lore coming strictly from the Native American perspective rather than me covering it from my generational Native American perspective. Um, And again, thank you for not leaving us a one-star, leaving us a four-star. And we are glad that you listened to the show and you enjoy the show. And uh, hopefully we can, again, accommodate some more of the uh, better background as far as Native American lore goes. But And all this shit is listed in the link tree and the show description. I've been Shane. And I've been Orrin. And guys, always, I, I always got to remind you guys, because I don't, I don't think you guys remember this, but you guys always, don't forget to stay 
Bizarre. 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 Squonk sandwiches? Tears? (laughs) 